0: I'll start, and then you can see. I don't really, I really confuse
1: it, and yes. go on ahead. Right, my grandfather Francis the First. By the way, this this will not clarify it, but we'll do our best. Francis the born eighteen eighty-five.
0: Francis the Second, born nineteen seventeen. <laughs> Tommy McCruden is the son of Francis the First the daughter Kathleen and the sister of Francis the Second that's uh, Tommy he was born in 1930 James is the son of Francis the First the brother of James, uh, the brother of Francis II, the brother of Kitty, okay, and
1: the cousin of Tommy. Yeah, I'm his uncle. Oh, sorry, sorry,
2: there his uncle. He's four
1: or five years older than me, but I'm his uncle. <laughs> He's the uncle.
2: The way it comes about. I know
1: you'd make a titty for all of it. The way
2: the way it comes about is there was Francie one, Francie two, Francie three. And there's Francis Fourth now, right? Okay. Right. Then there's there's there was there was Francis, the third, and Tommy and Kathleen. They were three cousins. That came into the the group. It was a trio at one time
1: and it grew up and grew and, up and I was a, I was a, it was Francis 1 Francis 2 and, and James, James, yes. the second. James the 2nd I'm James 2nd and I'm getting fed up getting the boy. Oh, I. I did my bit but the music
0: it was there it was in the house it's like it's like a painting if the painting's in the house it's hanging on the wall you pass it for years and years but I remember him in the early 50s yes he was playing a tune called On London, the blackboard. And it was a summer's evening, and the sound, it was absolutely fantastic. And when I heard this sound, I knew I was going to... Like it, people say, ah got so loaded. I knew I was going to play. I was going to play the pipes. And it, it was then that you, you really you understand what your father's do. My granddad, Oh, he was my dad, That was it. My dad. My dad's one person. My daddy's my father. My dad was a great influence in me to play because he had this great knack of being able. Not not to ask you to do anything. He made sort of way suggestions. And he played along with you. And he encouraged you without you knowing you were being encouraged. Now I seen my daddy doing exactly the same thing. With my own children. Now, I'm doing that with my own grandchildren. Now, I never pushed Francis or Eugene, my son Eugene, into music. Because, you know, when you have that feeling, it'll come in their time when they realise it, because I had to,
3: to realise I speak with candor one night in slumber, my mind did wander near to Athlone. The center station of our Irish nation, ere a congregation to me was shown. Mm-hmm. father sung that Long years and years ago, whenever I was a wee boy, that's one of the songs that he sung. It's, uh, I've never heard it before, to tell you the truth, is anywhere. My father and mother were both born in the County Derry and uh, come to Belfast on the uh, Industrial Revolution. Oh, I started to play, I think, in 1907 or 8. O'Mealy was a pipe maker and Rosham at the time that would be Liam Rosham's father and uh, it was Meeally made these pipes for me and uh, he didn't put reeds or he baffled me in putting reeds into them and I had to come to Rosham's father to put reeds in them John Rayleigh, whenever I think on it come to Belfast to teach me, and it was Mr. Bigger, that was the instigation of bringing him to teach me. And strange to say, this man, Bigger, says that I am the only Belfast paper for 116 years before my time, where it was all died away. John O'Reilly was just an old man like my father at the time. Just a wee goat's bird, which was a stale land and he was with me for nearly about two months and uh, strange to say the old man was much delighted whenever I started to play the Grave of Wolf tone and automatically started to sing it along with myself same as I had been doing it for years and the old man was delighted and clapped his hands whenever he heard it oh he says I've never heard the like of that oh 1912 yes they were making a big, big push at that particular thing to bring all papers together. I was two or three years at that and I'd never heard a paper, but I heard O'Meally playing one tune, but never heard a paper or anything else at that time. And really, wished to come to Dublin to hear papers, to hear how they played from the way I played. And I tell you, I was much surprised whenever I got the course the, the, the praise of the juniors that was uh, in a, in a gathering that was up in Biggers well Roger Casement was there, oh yes well I had seen him quite often because I used to go up quite often and uh, I had played the little red lark and he come and sat beside me and asked me what tune was that, what was the name of it and I told him it was the little red lark He said it was a lovely air. And uh, as I was a poor lad at the particular time, I think he gave me a half a sovereign as a tip, as I thought at that particular time. And I think that was the last gold that ever I come across. But during the Blitz, that's, that's the last war there,
2: we were all shipped down... I evacuated down to a wee town in a county town called Minorstown. And there was a lovely beach, just a wee, a lovely wee beach, you know, about 500, 600 yards long. And many a time I walked along that beach, singing along with that. There was, and sometimes the rain lashing down on it, you know, there were sou'westers on and all the, all the gear of the day on, you know. I can see that day just yet. I can just see it as if it was yesterday. But we had great times.
0: And then when I got into it, I found it was... It was so good. I started on the, in the 50s. And then... Uh, from the 50s right on into the 60s, just doing the travelling. But in our own family, things seemed to come naturally. Oh, yes. Now, we would have argued over a note. Oh, like it wasn't a five-minute argument. It could have went on for for, for a long time. But that didn't stop anybody from playing playing the music. Magranda had a very simple way of doing things and made it pleasant upon the ear. Because all papers are not awful sweet on the ear. But he had this way, and I must say this, my daddy was brilliant at keeping them in tune. When you had three pipers playing at once, which was no mean feat, and then the three of us being able to play and sing, we were the only three pipers ever that actually was able to do that.
2: We're going to end and was, that's one of the first places I went till was a song, and uh, we, we, we sang a song and Inneson was the, the furry boy and I remember if I'm, if I'm not mistaken I think some of the Clancy's was in the, in the front row of, of that, that, that particular concert and after we'd done and finished the concert after doing the, the furry boy there was a priest coming and he had a handkerchief and it's not often you see a priest crying. He came in and he went over to me, Uncle Francis, and he says, oh, "Mr. McPake, he says, that furry boy was my mother's soul." Loved it. I looked at Francie. and looks at me. You know. I said, Did you like it, Father? It was great. It just brought me back years and years. That's the time, first time I met Dalley Um and, and it was it was it was a great great concert. Well, that was one of the first I think that that I was with them. Good talking about things like that, you know, bringing me back a them. At good times. But uh, my, my mother, she would she used to play a mouth organ, you know and he's a, a wee bit in the accordion. You know? Take me back a bit. It's good to know about.
1: It's good. My father, who was pretty old, uh, uh, well, was, I can't remember what age, it was 1957, now, you can calculate it yourself, he was born in 1885, he said that some gentleman had come up to the uh, our house and ask us would we go to Glasgow, uh, you know, uh, the following July, which was about about seventeen months ahead of the time when he he visited the house. But he said nevertheless he will be up on Wednesday, and you and Francie, meaning myself and my brother Francie, you can have a yarn with them. So when the chap come in, Bobby Hitley he said, "Do you think you would be able to uh, do the journey?" from here to Moscow and my brother looked at Bobby Heat and said Moscow and he turned around and looked at my dad and said he said Glasgow. He said well I thought he said Glasgow.
4: I started playing and travelling while I was still at school Uh, mostly uh, around the Flas, down south as we called it and we had great times. Being young, so young, I didn't, uh, I didn't really get the full enjoyment. I would have been about uh, twelve, so it I was a child, but I liked the music, so uh, I went with them, and that was, that was us. Uh it's I suppose from the outside looking in it seemed a great life but sometimes it wasn't. Uh being the only female in an all male group and being the youngest, it's sort of way if you were in a minibus, it meant when they were telling jokes I was the only one sitting up on my own and the laughter was all at the back of the bus. So even though I maybe, I wouldn't, probably not even have understood what the joke was, I would have been laughing as loud as anybody. That part of it was uh, was lonely, but the music made up for it and singing, you know, and the feeling of family.
5: It's not a place to live in
6: Never fit for you nor I But old
0: time is coming So happy do not cry
6: Cause we're going to live the ball of palapa.
0: when I was learning the craft of music and performing they were my idols my granda God was such a such an influence with me and the patience my father had uh, you know James Tommy and my sister Kathleen like we lived in each other's pocket The best thing was always was always discussions or singing when you're traveling, and you will notice uh, before all this uh, CDs and all was going when you were traveling, the engine give off a certain note, and you picked that key, and everybody sung in an awful lot of practices were
6: in the car while you were travelling. Well, the McPeaks were a kind of exceptional Belfast family. They, they were very aware of the cultural heritage that the family possessed, and they, they actually clung to that very faithfully through several generations. But the McPeaks also not only played the music, but they also carried a banner... They carried a banner for it. This is, they they were very consciously aware of saying, "This is our heritage. We own this. This is what this is what we possess." And they they lived in a part of Belfast that became a kind of a um, a home, a haven. I remember in the this would be the the, the late fifties. Uh, they came to me and they said, "Come over," they said. Uh, There's a man here, and he's going to take a film about it. He's called Pete Seeger. Well, I went over, and Pete Seeger, who was was already then, uh, even at that time, a famous singer in America, and was a member of a band called The Weavers, Uh, he was there with a huge, big, big lorry, kind of Pantechnicon uh, mobile home, parked in this very narrow red-brick terrace street in Belfast. And the Pete's house, like the other houses, was very tiny. And this big van was parked outside it, and Pete Seeger was there with his wife and two children. But the camera was out in the footpath, because there wasn't room for the camera in the kitchen of the house. So what they'd done was, they'd taken the whole window and the window frame out, and Pete Seeger was shooting them, playing inside the house, in the kitchen of the house. So what I'm saying was, what I'm saying was that time, that already they were internationally known. And people were writing about them because that was the beginning of what we now call the renaissance of folk, you know, the revival of folk music. And there wasn't anything to revive in the McPeak in the, like, tradition because they, they, had, they had actually practised it.
0: But getting back to uh, the, likes, the likes of, uh, of singing and playing, that's why the likes of John Lennon, when he heard us, uh, after him going out to India and all this here, he actually realised what there is in Ireland. We had been travelling in England, and we had done we done the Dave Allen show, and uh, he had wanted to get in touch with us, but with us travelling and different things, so what they done? Uh, Alan Taylor got us and. Uh, flew us down to London well at that they brought us uh, they brought us all to the stage and we sat and I mean the place was bound. Lulu uh, that other girl um, she does blind date oh yeah, uh, Silla, Silla, Silla uh, all the Beatles George and uh, their managers and everything and When we played, John Lennon and his father and all just sat and watched us. Then they asked could we get a set of pipes and we went to Mr Candy of Cork. Mate, got the pipes made, I brought them over to Carnaby Street. Whenever I went and taught uh, John Lennon in Carnaby Street, uh, the pipes were brand new And I knew and Madeleine knew they had to be blown in. So I was using them while travelling in England and every time I would come back into London, right, uh, go round and give John a lesson. But one of the one of the things was that he was so knowledgeable in the pipes and he wanted to do the Irish furry music. And he realised just what there is in Ireland. Now, if you notice, an awful lot of people in Ireland are playing the traditional music, but they're leaving. They're they're leaving
1: the very music behind. The
0: very music behind.
5: Well, I first heard them like on it was like an, an LP. They called him then, you know, and that's why I first heard them in a particularly uh, wild mountain town. Being in Belfast, I was aware of them in Belfast, being you know knowing who they were and that. Um, and then um, I, there was a party w- that they were at that um, was uh, one time I was going to sign with Phillips Records. And I remember they were um, they sang a few songs. This was like about '66. It was just before I went to America. Um, and then I had them on, I had them on one of my gigs in Dublin later on but there, there was you know being a, a, a group that you're aware of in, uh, you know Irish music Irish music you know they toured a lot and they were um, the, you know well at that at that point they seemed to have like a world platform you know and n- no one uh, the, that I'd heard of at that time was like taking their stuff to America for instance or taking it at England or I think they were the f- the first folk group that I'd heard of that were taking it other places and getting it to a wider audience then at that point you know it was before the chieftains or any of that stuff you know
6: the
4: mind
5: always like that song. Well, it was just one of my favorite so it still is one of my favorite songs. I mean I think I mean I have been thinking about doing it again. More I did more of a rhythm and blues version, but it's just it just stands out as a folk good folk version. Yeah. Well it's a very popular song all over the world. Well that was the original version. That's the first one I heard. Yeah. 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 There's, there's always there's always something that happens when they do that song when they do it live. I don't know, some kind of emotion or something. It evokes a certain thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Soul. Soul. Yeah. And on
1: Through uh, our broadcasting on the programme Culture Chair by Kieran McMahon, uh, and we were asked to go to Milltown Malby to play at a concert. So, way to County Clare we went, and just uh, facing the hotel that we sat in, the Castle Hotel, I believe it was, there was a little shop across the way. And so we went in there and performed just in this wee huckster of a shop sitting uh, on three chairs and there was three guys sitting up on the counter looking down at us and we sang and played and they were mesmerised at what we were doing. I think their name was Clancy's. Now, they went on to uh, make millions and we came back to... Welfare and paying the Credit Union. No, the Credit Union, I don't think a Credit Union existed then, but if it had been, we would have would given them a
6: go. They played great hornpipes, great jigs, slow airs, dance music. So in a kind of way they were startling and memorable. When they came on the stage, you know, when they came on the table, and sat down and got settled and got out the pipes, which in those days was a kind of a rare instrument. When they did that... They kind of way displaced air, you know. And then the, the, their eagerness and their earnestness for what they were doing and their total belief in it what they were doing. So when they described what happened at Okram, which was a much more severe, savage battle than the Battle of the Boyne, when I described that and gave an introduction into the Battle of Okram and they played the lament for Okram, you were actually in the possession of people who had a living history. And that would that would very that was very always very thrilling to get that. And I think that, I think no matter where they were whether they were in Soho in London or wherever they were on a, or on a folk club in Canterbury I think the people in some kind of way recognised that that cutting edge existed not just in their speech but it existed in cut down barriers of nationality or race or anything it just stood out
4: I did them met that first one oh Oh, I remember that time. First time I met Pete Seeger. That was great. That was really such a such a of depth. And uh, but for some reason, the only you get, you just go in to the modelling side of it. You know. Oh yeah, that's when I was young, and uh, that's when my daddy was here and my grandma was here, and we all had a good time most of the time, and then say, oh, sure, tomorrow will be another day. It may be different tomorrow. I say it all the time. I may be able to play again with them tomorrow.
6: I think about the Catholic population of Belfast, you know, up until the civil rights movement. I'm not talking about a thing called oppression. That is too strong, you know. But there was a certain kind, there was a, was a repression against the Catholic population in Belfast, both in employment and in other other kind of ways and so on. So the McPeaks were kind of cocooned inside that. It was a separation in the population and, and in some kind of way in some kind of way there were there were certain writers who were giving voice to an inarticulate Catholic population. Uh, writers like uh Michael McLaverty, for instance, you know, uh, uh other and other writers like uh O'Connor giving voice to that. But the McPeaks gave it, gave it a kind of. Um, the McPeaks were an expression of that kind of Catholic ethos in Belfast. They were idealists. You know, they they wanted a better life. And they wanted that. Um, but very important to them, I think, I think was more important to them, I think we call that kind of expression, we call that the arts, you know. And it is the arts, it's, it's, it's the it's the songs and the music, of the of the arts that was very important to the peaks and it was an expression of something that was heartfelt. On yonder in the hill, on yonder an hill,
0: and the smoke going up to the sky, by the smoke and the smoke, you
3: can fairly tell that I've touched in my boyhood past. For it
6: fills the air With an honour air, And it both me and you A homeless story In i On a
3: bucket of the mountain 1977,
0: September, when we started The teaching of traditional music in Belfast When Father McNiff asked us to come up and teach some of the children something instead of this jungle music. Well, jungle music is is all right, but if he had us come up and teach them a bit of culture, we would have understood it. My daddy says to me, that's Francis II, he says, come on up and give me a hand for teaching. I says, look, I'll go up for six weeks, and after six weeks, that's it. Uh, but it was to be up in the Clannard Monastery. Now, the Clannard Monastery is in the middle of, it's hard to say, but the middle of the falls, the middle of, it's right on the Peace Lane. You can see into the shankill. You can see all of the falls. You can see Sandy Row, all all from the Clannard Monastery. But the Clannard Monastery was the only piece of neutral ground in all of West Belfast. Now, to do things like that, when there was buses getting burnt on the falls, and there was shooting here, there and everywhere, the children always turned up on a Saturday night. The soldiers come in and out, Policemen come in and out, they walked in, this, that, and the other thing. We stopped them at the door and told them to put their guns down, that we were teaching children. Protestant people come, all nations have come through us, and we don't even, then we didn't even ask you your name you want to learn music? Do you want to play a bit of traditional music? What instrument do you want? And that went on for years and years and years. And when we got enough money, we went down to Milktown, Malby. We entered the Flas, we entered everything for the children to get them out of the whole environment. In 20, I think it's 20 or 21 years, I have not missed Miltown, Malway. So from the humble beginnings right up till today. Now, that's why we're in this, what we call the new school. We're in the new school because, all right, I do understand why Protestants couldn't come always on to the falls. It was like when Gusty Spence asked me, will you teach on the shanker? I said, certainly, Gusty. I'll teach anywhere you like. Can you guarantee my safety? He said no, and I says, well, Gusty, what do you expect? I can't come and teach. If anybody gives me the guarantee that I was all right, I I would have taught up a flagpole. It made no difference to me. That's why we're now in our, our own premises in the middle of town. It's right in... You, you can't get any more middler unless you go to the City Hall. But they haven't asked me to take a class there yet. But maybe someday they will. But in, in that, we're here. And we people come in and that's one thing we have never done, ASCII religion. That has nothing to do with music. That, that's eyewash. That's a load of junk when you start all that. When people come in and they register, that's it. I found that music regarding children... It gives them such a different outlook on life. It tames the wildest and encourages the weakest. If I was an adapting agency, I would have thousands of children. Because, as I say, when they come through there, they become Mac See, people, although we were in Clonard in the middle of the Falls Road, people were calling it MacPeaks, MacPeaks. We went to different places and they were calling it MacPeaks. So, uh, about three or four years ago, I think it is, or maybe more, I'm not sure, but they, we decided, because of MacGronda and because of Medada, we said we might as well keep it at Macpeak's because we've always been teaching you know what I mean people were rapping the door Francie would you teach us the pipes would you teach us the whistle James would you teach us the accordion guitar, harp we didn't care we were always in the background of teaching so rather than have it the individual we have everything now With everything, and with the help of God, the people that we have taught in the past will be able to keep it going in the future. Peaks are a strange bunch. We are a peculiar lot. Um, there's always been not a dominant, there's always been. Magranda, Francie I, was the head of the family. He was our chief. And. He was so knowledgeable and he was so right in what he said and what he done. That was handed down. Now, my daddy was the head of the family because I'm Francis third. It's not that I'm head of the family, no, although I am, like, head of the family, but I'm not... Because I have my Uncle James there. And I have, uh, have Tommy. And uh, my cousin Tommy. And of course my mother's still alive. But they, they are entitled to the respect within the family. Because the two men are... are they're, they're two good men. Do you know what I mean? They're two good men. And... That they have, the family. They have this family thing. What what my, my dad had when he died. Uh, the pipes that had come from Francis Joseph Baker. He died in seventy one, and the pipes that he played at the Aractus. Madar played them a wee bit. He played them a wee bit, but he took them down, and he was going to do a whole lot of work and redo them all up. But he never really got round to it. He uh, he just he just hadn't he just hadn't the heart. He hadn't he played pipes, but he never played those pipes. He died and, m- my daddy Francis II, he died on the 7th of July, 86. I got the pipes, I put them all together, and I've only played them once. There is something there that, there's something just there that I haven't, I want to play them. The chanter has a lovely, lovely feel to the chanter and the pipes. But the magic isn't there. There's too much history with them for me to carry them about and want to play them. There's too much of the family. That is, that's the peel of the family, those pipes. They're the connecting rods. The, 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 them's the vessels, that's the blood vessels that connects the magpies, And they're like the Holy Grail. They're so special. But those... They are They are just... They have this mellow, mellow tone... But you can hear them so far away. I, does that sound? I don't know. I could sit at home and play them. And they wouldn't be loud. But neighbours could hear them. It just that, that that's to me that's my pipes. They're my my pipes now. Of course they'll go on in the family. They'll go down, the Francis or whatever the case may be. But those pipes are. They have so much history and lineage, and uh, so much in keeping music alive in Ireland. Like I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even have the audacity. I wouldn't give them to the likes of a museum. They're, they're the heart of, of the music of Mac Peaks. Without them, the, uh, the, the, the music is liable to disintegrate. They're the ones. Whoever gets those has this urge to... to Have has this feeling. My daddy had it, and I have it, and Francis will have it, and Eugene and whatnot. To keep the music, you know what I mean. To keep the piping going.